0: Welcome to the Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning.
1: Hey, this episode is brought to you by in the complete course workbook, the same one that we use to teach our live certification classes, yours free. nlpwithmatt.com. Get it today. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Driven Entrepreneur. It's Matt Browning, and it is a beautiful, beautiful day. The holidays are upon us. Man, I don't know how you feel about them. I always love it. One of the things I love about them is it gets busier and busier. It's like, some people hate the traffic, but I love that people are out. We're doing things. It just feels like it, there's this, this hustle and flow of enjoying life. And I love carrying that on throughout the rest of the year. So I hope you're enjoying your time, regardless of, of how you see them. Um, you know, Every single week on this show, of course, if you're new to the show, every single Friday, we have an interview with a phenomenal entrepreneur, get into a backstory, and some teaching lessons along the way. And this time we have, you know, this is actually, uh, he's going to be one of our first ever returning guests by popular demand. Norman Bell is back on the show. Norman, how are you doing, man? I am doing great, Matt. Thanks for having me on and happy holidays. This is exciting. So Norman Bell, you know, uh, here's a guy who he's worked with Fortune 500 companies, nonprofits, entrepreneurs. And the biggest thing he does is helping them to enchant their audience. Amplify their influence and transform business using the power of authentic storytelling. He's a storytelling coach, presentation coach, work, workshop facilitator, award-winning speaker, and theater and film actor. And you've he helped organizations like Microsoft, Hewlett Packard, AT and T, uh, and so many more to nail the message and connect with the audience. I think there's there's been a, and the reason I want to have you back on, Norm, is last time we we talked. You know, we talked about business and entrepreneurship and your podcast. Um, what did you land on the new brand for the podcast? Hell yes, life. Hell yes.
0: Yeah. I was doing a Facebook poll, uh, you know, a- among the other things, not just like that that's going to be the only thing, but I said, a or B hell yes, life versus hell yes, entrepreneur. And it kind of landed with hell yes, life. And I'm, I'm liking that. So I'm, uh, at least for the time being going back to, uh, hell yes, life, which was what I started with. And I like kind of the broader umbrella, So it's, I, I will be focusing on entrepreneurs but also people that, you know, just want to pursue their crazy dream and maybe they still have a day job or they, you know, they just have a passion that they want to uh, further develop. So just not limiting it to people who want to create a um, a full-time business.
1: Well, I love it because th- that energy, you know, I love the way you say that. It's the hell yes life. It's like, you know, you look at your life, you look at whatever category in life as well and you go, yes, like this is what I want. So check out Norm's podcast, uh, Hell Yes, Life, obviously. Um, but since since then, you've really honed in as well. And you've been doing this for years, obviously, the storytelling and messaging. But you know, there's been a lot of talk lately and a lot of, you know whether it's the story selling book that's gotten very popular, several other books have been coming out about storytelling and business, messaging and business. I wrote about that a lot in my book, the Firebox Principle how it was the origin stories oftentimes of the founders that really got the, the ball rolling. It's what got the, the audience engagement. Tell me a little bit about the kind of the genesis of you and storytelling. When did you, did you, when did you fall in love with story? When did you realize how important it was? Did you love it as a kid? Did you get into it through acting? Uh, tell me a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, you bet. Um, so yeah, storytelling has been a part of my life in different forms for, um, you know, decades, really. I've, I've uh, you know, I have experience as a theater actor. I've been in film. I think I mentioned last time my big uh, one minute of film fame was uh, playing opposite Academy Award winner Christian Bale in The Machinist. I was the DMV guy, but still, you know, people seem to enjoy that. Um, and I, hey uh, you know, man, I,
1: I've never played, uh, across yeah. from Christian Bale in any movies. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I, I think it's always cool. worth
0: mentioning. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It was, and I have, you know, I can have a tell a little story about that later, but, um, you know, and so, yeah, I, um, actually the, the first, uh, the first thing that I can remember, and I don't remember if I mentioned this last time, was like in in fifth grade. We I don't know why we were doing it, but we were doing little um, skits, and and me and my friend Andy did a peanut butter commercial, and um, and I played the the customer, and I kind of stole the show. I was just kind of goofing around and acting up. So, so I think that was my first taste of that. And then my my hell yes story, actually, that is the sort of the. My origin story and the inspiration for the podcast is that I, uh, when I was a junior in high school, I ran for a student council position, and I don't remember exactly where it came from, but I decided uh, to have the slogan "Hell Yes, Vote for Norm," and um, you know, so I handed out "Hell Yes" stickers in the hallways during campaign week and put up "Hell Yes" posters. And at the end of the week, we had a um, we had an assembly where we had to give speeches. And I told this story, basically, I told this, it was kind of a funny made up story, um, quasi made up, you know, of, of how I'd been a kind of a wasteoid and a loser who'd cleaned himself up to come on down and run for a student council position. And the funny thing is, one funny part about the, the story, and this is something about storytelling in general, is you want to have some conflict in your story. Everything can't just go well the whole time. Um, and in in this story, uh, the uh, the conflict was the slides. After about slide three, the slides started coming up upside down. And it was I was hoping it was just slide three, but no. Slide four, slide five, slide six were upside down. And I I basically I I could have just stopped right there. I could have melted into the ground. But um, I I was in I was in flow that day because I discovered that storytelling and public speaking were a big part of uh my hell yes right they were two of my big hell yeses and so i i kept going i told the audience you know hey it looks like the slides are coming up upside down Uh, let's just roll with it and i looked back and everybody had their heads tilted upside down so they could see the slide so i knew they (laughs) were with me and i i kept going to the end and at the end i said on the count of three if you want to vote for me yell hell yes and I kind of shamelessly recreate this every time I tell this story, but I, I won't have you do it. There, Matt, it's, it's, One, two, three, <laughs> hell yes. And, um, so I ended up winning the speech that day or winning the, the election that day. And I went on to have a hell yes senior year because I kind of, I had fully expressed myself in front of my peer group, like in front of my, my community. And, uh, what and, was the
1: response like after that? Obviously, like, you know, winning the election and yeah. the moment, but like walking down the halls down the road. Oh, did yeah. change? Did you do people interact with you differently?
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, totally. Like that day was just a, a, a wonderful day because, you know, just all, all day people were like, oh, Normandy, great speech, wonderful speech. Hell yes. And oh, I didn't I didn't run for president, uh, but people were like, oh, you could have won the president spot with that one. And, um, uh, yeah, so it, it, yeah, it's just, I, I, I you know, just to your listeners, I'm, I'm not sure if you can think of a time in your life when you, I mean, maybe coming out is the wrong word, but kind of like put, putting yourself out there as your boldest, biggest self, you know, that you you're, your, you know, in, in your full potential, um, and 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 the the response that you received, yeah, I definitely did receive that. I and mean, you can probably tell by the way I'm telling this story, this is a story that excites me. And so, you know, since then, and to keep the rest of the story, you know, uh, long story short, I, I had many ups and downs after I graduated from high school. Very big ups and big downs. Um, but those those two words were, you know, I found myself a few years ago with those two words still res, uh, kind of ringing in my ears and I, I was like I've got to do something with this hell yes what is this hell yes and so I launched the hell yes life podcast in 2017 and since then I've you know um uh, you know I've been able to interview dozens of amazing entrepreneurs adventurers people like you Matt and uh people I have like been on the show you have been on the show and hopefully you'll be back on soon and another another guest that has been on your show uh, those on my show, Kathy O'Dowd, who uh, was the first woman to climb Mount Everest from the north and south sides. Um, Dave Sanderson, who um, he, uh, he was a, a survivor on the miracle on the Hudson flight. You know, there's a movie Sully with Tom Hanks. Of course. Um, he was he was in that, um, he was on that flight, and he has an amazing story to tell about uh, that day and and everything that came out of that. And he's he's since turned that into a speaking career, and he has his own podcast. And so, anyway, I guess those are just three three examples. My own and and just a, you know many of my guests. Um, their stories are really at the very center of their business. They're kind of the foundation of their business. You know, Kathy O'Dowd experienced um, you know a lot of uh, adventure and and you know treacherous situations and challenges and obstacles uh, as she was um, Undertaking her, you know Mount Everest climbs and she's been able to um, you know take those lessons that she learned and um, You know go into a corporate audience and talk about teamwork talk about overcoming challenges working together etc. So Anyway, so I, I, I mean, to come at, to bring it back to storytelling, like there's my hell yes story. What's your hell yes story, um, uh, listeners? Um, you know, what what is that story that uh, really kind of identifies the why of of what you're doing? You know, Simon Sinek talks about starting with why. Sometimes it you know, if if we're just um asked, you know, what's your purpose? Well, my purpose is to help people, you know, sometimes it's hard to articulate. Well, and but, right now
1: there's so many people yeah. talking about that too. I think it's almost gotten a very noisy, like what's your purpose? Yeah. And you know, for me in the in the seminar world and the coaching world, it seems like every other uh startup or would-be startup entrepreneur is saying, Well, my purpose is to help the world and transform this, but it's like we're we're in love with the idea of what's my purpose. But not in love with anything else. Figuring out how to do it, what it actually is practically, and things like that. But yeah. the why is important. Do you do you subscribe uh, to Simon Sinek the idea of start with why?
0: I do. And here's the thing with storytelling: is what if your purpose was um, in, in you know embedded in your story? So rather than having to say, my purpose is to help people move forward in their lives and achieve their dreams you could say, let me tell you a little story. When I was, you know, and, then, and to go in, to really know what that story is and why you do what you do and to be able to explain it with a story, um, the reason that you want to consider doing that is because um, storytelling is, uh, it's a form of communication that accesses the emotional center of the brain in, the way that, in a way that facts and figures and, and uh, mere information just don't. Like information, facts, and figures are 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 processed by the neocortex, a relatively newer part of the brain, and um, storytelling, which is one of our oldest forms of communication, uh, accesses the limbic brain, which is where actually it's it's the emotional center of the brain, and it's also where all decision making takes place. So you're going to want to get back there.
1: Interesting. So storytelling, what I'm hearing from you is telling your your business, or if you're going to sell, you know through stories is actually going to help people make decisions easier because they're all going to try to, like, if you don't tell a story, your audience yeah. or your your prospect, they're going to try to make a story around it so they can make yes. a decision. Do you think that's true?
0: I do. Yeah. If, uh, I mean, this is kind of in the realm of brand storytelling, um, mm-hmm. but it, let's just say, if if you aren't telling your story other people are are telling themselves a story about you and your business and best to you know at least you, and you you're never going to be able to 100% control what uh what that story is to people but you can at least you know influence it right and uh by by saying hey this is our story and then they can kind of take it from that and i i mean i i have a um a, an example of that in in mind uh, with Starbucks. I hope I, if it's okay to mention, but like you know, Starbucks. I have kind of an evolving brand story with Starbucks. And I mean, you know, again, long story short, you know, I've I've had you know good connotations with Starbucks. Like, hey, they pay for um, health insurance for part time workers. That's great. And oh, everybody seems kind of happy there. And then you know, there's been a few things in the past year or two that have uh, made me think like, you, you know, like, well, wait a second, why, why is it so cold in here? Are they trying to freeze me out of here? You know, and just things like that, <laughs> that start to influence my story about Starbucks, you know, and it's like every interaction that your um, customer or prospect has with your brand is um, telling a, a part of, of their story of your story. So
1: it's so interesting, isn't it? It's like sometimes, you know, you run into these people who, who claim, you know, really logical kind of people and they go, no, There's just facts and there's reality. And I would argue from uh, neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, that's my background, as you know, um, I would argue that there isn't really an objective reality. Like there's facts and figures, but the moment you see a fact, you have to make it mean something. And you make it mean something by telling a story about it, by having a narrative. And it's like everyone is going to create their own narrative. That's why like in the political world, it's so important to get in front of You know, because there could be a fact, and and clearly, if you turn on Fox or CNN right now, that's what's so funny. You go, "Well, what's real?" Well, pretending you have no bias, pretending you're completely bipartisan. You know, no allegiance, and I never share uh, my political beliefs because I don't. I don't think that's honestly relevant. I'd rather have conversations around the landscape rather than about individual ideas. Yeah, but like, you know, the concept is: if you turn to one channel, they have a narrative. Explaining this fact. And then you turn to the other channel and they have their own narrative explaining this fact. And yes. you could, they both sound very real, but both of them are storytelling. Absolutely. Saying, this happened and here's what it means. Yeah. And this is what we believe is going on. And you know what? And it's, just, it's I think it's super fascinating. Let me, let me jump in, kind of switch gears for a second though. Sure, uh, sure. One of, the, one of the biggest questions I get about stories from, from uh, my coaching clients is how do I pick my story? A lot of Mm. people say, I feel like I have a lot of different stories. I've been through so much in my life. Do I pick this trauma experience? Do I just, because we don't want to just tell a series of events, correct? Absolutely. I grew up on a farm and then this happened, then that happened. Because a story isn't just a series of events. Talk to us a little bit about how you would help a client choose which story and how is that the right one?
0: Yeah. Um, so I have a five-step process that I take my clients through and uh, to, to get helpful. to that, that point. Yeah. And I can unpack that a little bit. Um, and the first uh, the first thing I do with uh, you know uh, people, the workshop participants or clients that I'm working with one-on-one is um, we do an exercise around turning point moments. So, uh, and, and, and listen, you know, listeners to your podcast, you can feel free to, to do this exercise, uh, if you feel inspired, uh, it's very simple. Just take a few minutes to, um, write down some turning point moments from your life. So, uh, you don't have to write out the full story, just a few, uh, you know, words or phrases that will remind you of what that is. And most people, when I, when I, you know, give that instruction right there, they're like, oh yeah, I know, I know some turning point moments in my life. So... A turning point moment is basically when something changed for you. It could have gotten uh, better or worse. It could have been a big change or a little change, but something shifted. Uh, so a, a moment of of transformation, a lesson learned, et cetera. And um so that's that that would be the first step I call it um, digging for gold. So you're looking for those golden moments uh, that um, that really pop for you. and um, as as you're writing down those moments, you know, you might have, Three, five, ten, or, or uh, phrases that you're writing down. Um, there, there might be, you know, it might not be clear at first, uh, but uh, or, or it might be really clear. I mean, for me, I I went through this process, not exactly this process, but it kind of a, a, a longer one, and wrote out, gosh, this whole time. You could do this as well. You could go from the your birth to present, and and each year start writing down all the events that happened. But um, you, you know, that, that would be advanced, uh, exercise, but, um, you know, for me, the hell yes story popped for some, you know, for, you know, that's just something that I got excited about. You know, there's uh, a few other moments in my life, uh, some tragic moments, some, uh, challenging moments, some exciting moments, and those get weaved into the, the larger, um, hell yes story or my larger life story. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's where I would start. And then, um, then let's just say you you've found your moment, your your golden nugget, as I like to say. Uh, and then, then we apply um, the structure of storytelling. So I'm just basically I'm just going to give you my my storytelling content here.
1: Um, that sounds good uh, to me.
0: Yeah. So then, then what are the Matt? What are the three uh, three parts to a story?
1: I mean, the beginning, middle, and end. There you go, beginning, middle, and end,
0: right? In my uh, workshops, I call this um, the three Cs, which are context, conflict, and conclusion. And I just want to put Cs on there so they're easy to remember. Um, And by far, the largest part, uh, let me ask you again, Matt, what is the largest part of any story of those three parts?
1: The largest part? I mean, I feel like it would be the middle
0: yep yep so the beginning
1: is do you choose like beginning as, as as a setup
0: yes that's right so uh uh yeah so just to make that point the the uh largest part of any story is conflict uh or as i like to say trouble if you know if you go after you listen to this this episode um any anytime you're watching a a tv show a news story a netflix series um just note to yourself like uh when you see that this this story is about trouble and i I do this all the time i was like oh trouble 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 trouble. (laughs) stories are always about trouble there's always something happening so if 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 your story is about how everything went well i would argue that it's probably not even a story um or at least not a really good story so um the uh uh, context is, yes, that is the, um, the setup. So that's the, uh, the introduction of, uh, the, uh, the main characters, the hero of the story, um, the, uh, existing world of the story. So if we take star Wars as an example, um, a movie, most people are, uh, you know, have seen, uh, there's Luke Skywalker. He's on Tatooine. Here's his life as a farm boy. He's yearning for something greater. Um, and then uh, there's what's called the inciting incident in film and theater and so forth uh, and books, that it's the moment that sh- uh, that starts the real story, the real adventure. And people argue about what that is in Star Wars. It's, oh, you know,
1: for a long time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I don't know what you... What would you yeah. Well,
1: okay. All right. Can, can I you, guess? What do you think
0: it is? Yeah, sure.
1: All right. So, So I'm not a huge Star Wars nerd, but I've seen enough of them. Uh, so I would guess the inciting incident would be when Luke's parents are killed and he realized, and, you know, and then the, what, the planet blows up or it's basically his home is gone and he comes back and goes, there's no home for me here. Yeah. There's no turning back. There's no like there's no more past. So he has to go forward into the new adventure.
0: Yeah, this is sort of a um, getting a little into the weeds of st- uh, stages of storytelling because in the uh, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, there's actually twelve stages, and we're not going to get into that. We're going to keep it relatively simple. Now, that moment in the heroes in the hero's journey process is called the point of no return, and that actually happens after the inciting incident. Oh, okay. Because there's actually a couple of other stages in that in that. Uh, framework that are like, oh, the hero starts his journey. Then he's like, ah, no, I don't want to do this. And then he's like, he's pushed into it, you know, by, by events. So that actually happens in Star Wars. Luke, you know, I, I would say the inciting incident, you could say it's when he meets R2-D2 and C-3PO. It could be, I mean, some people will say it's when R2-D2 shows the image of uh, Princess Leia and L- Princess Leia's like, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. Um, that, I think, you, you know, you could say it's that. But anyway, um, but then there's a moment after that where Luke is like, I think I'm just going to go home. Never mind. And then he goes home and his uncle and aunt have been killed by the stormtroopers. And uh, then he's he has no choice. He's like, all right, let's do this.
1: So, now there is no home. Okay, yeah. so. so Okay. Yeah, so oh, coming yeah, full circle again, or coming back and just uh, structuring a little bit. So we find the really one of the turning points. That's the biggest thing for how you figure out what story you should even tell. Yeah. Because there's, I mean, Luke lived for a long time and there's been many stories told about his life, but it's Mm -hmm. like, how do you pick which is the story to start with? Yeah. Um, How do you pick which of the turning points? Is it about kind of saying, okay, here's a turning point. Did this connect me to like what my purpose is? (sighs) Talk to me a little bit about how to, when you're figuring out the purpose of your story. I do yeah. believe like every story has a reason for being told, whether it's to sell a product or whether it's your stage story or or whatever it is. Um, t- tell me a little bit about picking which turning point,
0: yeah, and I, I say this in my talks. so um in for the podcast, Um, I have a guiding quote, which is uh, popularly attributed to Howard Thurman, which is, don't ask what the world needs, ask what makes you come alive and go do it, because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Well, I would argue, yeah, yeah, it's a good quote. Um, I would argue that we also need stories that come alive. So um, in in the process of, I, I recommend that people do tryouts with their Um, you know, this is kind of a theater thing again, or a film thing, Uh, do auditions for your uh, turning point moments. And you can do that in the mirror, in the bathroom, you can do it with a a story buddy, Uh, you can do it with a coach like me. And you could um, just try on the different, uh, you know, telling the story, don't worry about the structure of it or anything else. Um, just, Just tell the story in rough form. And notice which ones really light you up when you tell them. I think that um, I've actually heard that uh, about um, the audition process. Directors will say, if I can choose the right actor, over half my job is done because I don't have to direct them as much. I don't have to do as much work. I would say the same thing is true about choosing the right story. If you choose the right story, um, you're just naturally you know, going to come alive. Your body is going to be animated. Your eyes are going to light up when you're telling the story. Uh, as as you might have noticed I did when I was telling my Hell Yes story. So I would I would recommend doing tryouts. That would be the the short answer.
1: That's phenomenal. <clears throat> and do you feel like it, it matters? And I don't, I, don't, I don't know the right answer to this, but do you feel like it matters that your story um, connects directly to what you're doing? Like I think some people say I'm trying to sell printers. Do mm-hmm. I need to tell a story about how I <clears throat> fell in love with technology? Or like, is there a way, can you have different turning points That really, it's like, well, then I changed and I got over this conflict. And now today I get to do this amazing, you know, sell these amazing printers. Does that make sense for that question? Does it have to connect kind of consciously or directly? Or are some of the best stories the opposite of that?
0: I personally, I I think there's probably different um, opinions about that. But I personally think that the main thing is that it's a story that comes alive for you. This The point of the story, I think, you know, and this is another kind of a, a debate that I see. I mean, it's not like a, a, you know, controversial debate, but, you know, you can go either way. You can <laughs> you can start with the story or you can start with the point. Um, and a lot, I see a lot of um, books around storytelling, uh, business storytelling, emphasizing starting with the point. And that makes sense. You know, it's like, okay, my point is I want to show the customers XYZ. Um, the problem sometimes with that is that can lead to sort of inert stories or stories that are just kind of crafted to, I don't know, manipulate's not the right word, but, you know, the, the, to fit that point. But um, I would argue starting with a story that really enlivens you um, and then figuring out how it connects, you know, because if it's something that is so meaningful, for, uh, so meaningful to you that it, it lights you up when you, you tell it, um, you can you can connect those dots. So I guess to answer your question, no, I don't think it needs to be. I think that a lot of founder stories are a little bit on the boring side. I mean, they it can be inspiring to hear that Jeff Bezos started Amazon in his garage, but that's such a kind of a played out entrepreneur story.
1: Um, everyone started in a garage.
0: Everyone started in a garage, right? You know, it's like I, I didn't start in my garage. There's too much stuff in there now. You know, it's like but um, <laughs> but there's but yeah, I think that there's. I think there's plenty of room to talk about something that as you're telling the story, it might not be clear listening to the story. How does this relate to his, his job as a a printer salesman? But at the end, you know, you can say, and the lesson I learned from that was to keep going, to always persist. And I've taken that, that lesson with me all all the way through my career, uh, every challenge that I face, whatever it is. Um, And, and that, that can be just, that can be larger than printers or, or, um, technology products. You know, it's, um, it's talking about values. It's talking about, um, the kind of person you are.
1: Very good. Very good. Um, you know, another question I get a lot is, if, if I can move kind of into the storytelling part of it, cause we've been talking yeah. about story crafting, but on the yeah. storytelling side of things, yeah. um, how do you start a story? And even to that point, how do you start a presentation? One of the most, one of the most Googled questions, and I love that you have answers to this. Um, I know you have um, uh, a new, a really cool product that I think you're, you're giving this It's seven tips to captivate your audience from the start. And one of yes. the most Googled speaker, public speaking questions is how do you start a presentation? I didn't know that. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm like, I'm so excited about this because I want to grab that right away. By the way, everyone, you can follow Norman Bell, if you don't already, at LinkedIn at Norman Bell. And Facebook is Norman J. Bell 2019. Um, We'll have to update that in a couple of weeks, I think. No, you'll still be Norman J. Bell 2019. But find Norman Bell on Facebook and NormanJBell.com. You'll have up there the seven tips to captivate your audience from the start. What are some ways to either start a presentation, start a story? Or if you want to, I don't know if that's a different question, but how do you captivate them from the start?
0: Yeah, let, let me answer them both. They are um, just to, to address those separately um, uh, to not leave people hanging with the the the, um, uh, the three um, you know the three acts of storytelling. So hopefully oh, that yes. was a little bit of a taste of that. But the next step that I would uh, recommend people do is to. Um, Make a scene, as I as I say, uh, and that is, you know, in storytelling. There's there's two modes of storytelling. There's um, the narrative summary, which is sort of the high level um, uh, telling of the story, which is like, hey, you know, in in um, in the early two thousands, I was working at a printer company, and every day I would go in. So you're kind of at the thirty thousand foot level, and then there's at the scene level. Then we dropped down and we're on the ground with you and we're able to picture what you're doing. Then one day um, it was it was midnight and I needed to go into the office. It was dark, you know, and I wa- I was walking down the um, the hallway and I heard the clacking of a keyboard in the boss's office and the light was on. Right. So as I say that, even you know, even as I said that, you might have been able to start to picture. That scene, right? So you want to spend more of your story in as much of your story in scenes as possible, because what happens is um, there's a science, uh, scientific, a scientific um, process called neural coupling that happens. And when we're in, uh, when we're really painting that picture of a scene, um, the listener's brainwave patterns actually sync up to the teller's brainwave patterns. So it's a very intimate form of communication. Wow. And, and the other thing is that the listener actually, um, you know, they're not consciously doing this, but they're subconsciously uh, putting themselves as the hero in that story. You know, like, why do we cry when somebody in a movie, you know, um, dies or has a really challenging situation? It's because we're, we're kind of putting ourselves onto that, right? So anyway, um, scenes are, are the way to go as far as that goes.
1: Wow. So, so I'm getting this right. So you start with a brief kind of, here's the big picture of where we were, you know, I'm, I'm, I I, I did this. So I'm five years old, start my first day in kindergarten. Yeah. I have a story about that for my book. Yeah. And then you jump down from the 30,000 feet right into a scene. Like imagine you're in a scene in a movie, a moment in time. Yes. A fixed thing. And then you just, so the trick is start describing things, um, mm-hmm. and I heard you use a lot of like visual or kinesthetic language and you'd say, you know, it was dark and it was this, um, yes. you know, so I say I was standing behind this big Oak tree on my first day in kindergarten, looking out at it, all these kids in the distance playing in the sandbox and you just kind of paint this scene so you can imagine yourself being there.
0: Absolutely. I was already there with you right there. Oh, you know, oh like as gosh. soon as you said that, yeah.
1: Isn't it funny yeah. when you start talking like that, it's like, you, you can't help but go, well, then what happened? Like, yeah. You're just sending exactly. it in. I love yeah. that. So let, let's I still get to- I still
0: remember your uh, just briefly, I still oh, remember your story that you told on my podcast about how you went down to Australia and you had your kind of first breakthrough at that person's conference. And uh, and walking through that, I was like, oh man, I so identify with that. And um and because you told it in a story form, uh it stuck with me.
1: Wow. All right. Well that's good, that's that's a good sign. So um as we mm-hmm. as we wind down here, uh yeah. The last kind of thing I want to talk about is that those seven tips. So can you get into what's one of your favorite tips? What's one of your favorite ways among there's seven different ways, I suppose, to captivate your audience from the start, but what's one of your favorite ways to be able to really uh, get them leaning in in the very beginning of a presentation. That's the scariest thing to most people, right? Mm -hmm. To get up and speak in front of people. And then Mm -hmm. it's like, what are they going to say? How are they going to respond? That's what I'm scared about. So if you can get them from the beginning, all your fears disappear. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: I'll give you two. And one is kind of an obvious one that maybe you've heard before, but it's very important. And that is when you get up there, don't waste that. that This is the moment to grab them. And if you don't, I mean, no, no pressure out there. If you're a kind of a beginning speaker, yeah, but no pressure. You, yeah, no pressure. But if you, if you miss that moment, um, then you spend the rest of the speech trying to get their attention back. And so, yes. what, what I would recommend you not do is go up there and start with, "Hi everybody, my name is Norman, and today I'm going to be speaking about storytelling." Um, thank you so much to the uh, the host here for da, da da da. No, jump jump right in would be uh, the tip. And. Um, And, and what, whatever that means to you, I guess for me, that would be like jumping right into a story. You know, I, I often will start, um, my, um, talks with, uh, my hell yes story. And so it's like, it's the end of my senior year or it's the end of my junior year. And I'm in the auditorium, the people, you know, whatever it is, you know, so just, uh, grab their attention right away. And, and really it's okay if they don't know exactly what's going on at the beginning, because, um, there's another storytelling, um, uh, principle called oh this is like a JJ Abrams thing the guy that uh, the director of Star Wars um, about the mystery box right so it's it's like when when we don't it's also called a knowledge gap so when we don't know what's going on where our brain is is working a little bit harder it's a little more focused because it's trying to figure that out um, we don't want to leave them there for the whole speech but it's okay for uh, for the opening of the speech so that would be one jump right in and then the the other one would be um, the this is just a trick that I use um, or, you know, a technique, uh, a theater technique is the opening pause. So uh, when I go up to uh, uh, give a speech or a presentation, I will just stand there um, and look out at the audience and with a little Buddha smile. Um, and I'll, I'll hold it for an almost uncomfortable amount of time. So, somewhere between 15, 20, maybe even 30 might be pushing it seconds. But um, uh, again, it's kind of, it brings everybody in. They're, they're kind of like, what is he doing up there?
1: Is this before <laughs> um, you say a word?
0: This is before you say a word. And it's not so long that it will be like, what the heck is this going guy's on an this idiot guy? what is right. going on so it's it's but it's enough that they're just about to formulate that question like what is going on and then you start right so it just pulls them in and then you start and they they'll completely forget about that moment uh but you've, you've in their attention. So I I call that the opening
1: pause. The opening pause. So wow, because when you said 15 to 20, 30 seconds, I'm imagining that can start feeling pretty awkward.
0: (laughs) Okay, on the actually, I'm looking at the PDF on the PDF, I said three to five seconds, I would say (laughs) five. Yeah, so maybe 50, maybe 30 seconds is a bit much. But so let's let's call it five Five to ten seconds? It's but easy.
1: long enough that they're like, okay, most people would have said a word by now and you didn't, and you're looking mm-hmm. at them, and it makes it just it it pulls in this little invisible, like magnetic, like, well, something's gonna happen.
0: Like, what's what's he doing? Yeah, and and exactly. You I, just start, wanna, I love that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's
1: That's your probably. favorite way to start a story? Do you like to start a story? Um, and I've heard a few different ways on this, like a character in crisis. Like, would you start a story by saying I'm hanging off the cliff or this is happening or do you like to start with background? Does it mm. matter?
0: Um, I think there's different uh, good ways to do it. I I, uh, I think I tend to kind of, and that's another tip in this thing, is to kind of start in the middle and then start, yeah, in the start right in the, in the conflict zone. And you'll see a lot of movies do this too.
1: Yeah, and every great novel, like you read any Jack Reacher book, it's the first yeah. chapter is always... Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. In the middle of a fist fight or something, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And then right? you get
1: into the background because it's got to draw you in, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Sort of the opening adventure of a James Bond or a Mission Impossible movie or something like that, right? So, um, and then it's oh, oh my god, you know. So again, it d- d- draws you in, and you're like, oh, what's going on? And then you can then you can back it up. You can even pause in the middle of the story and uh, kind of before you um, come to the conclusion and leave it as a cliffhanger, and then you can back up. And then you can kind of tell the, the you can go to that 30,000 foot level, talk about what's going on. And then, you know, if you want to, if you want, you can leave them hanging until the end of the the speech and say, hey, and remember where I, you know, this, this story at the beginning here and how, the, how that
1: ended so I love the, that. In NLP, yeah. we call that the open loop uh, mm-hmm. theory, right, yeah. where you, you open a loop and yeah. there's this little thing that happens. I don't know, maybe you have an explanation for it, but in the subconscious mind. Right when you you open this loop and now we're kind of waiting for the conclusion. So the subconscious just kind of is listening a little more intently, a little more open, a little more leaned in because we're waiting for that. And So sometimes, you know, I I love some of the best storytellers. They'll open a loop and then a loop within a loop. It's almost like Inception, that movie. Yeah. Where you're telling these stories and, you know, you got to be careful. You got to come back to it. Otherwise, you're going to really, really upset those. Yeah. Those uh, planner people, right? Because I guess sometimes I'll finish a seminar after like three days, Norm, and, and I'll, I'll say, so before we head off, there I was. And I like, I kind of finish a story uh-huh. from day one. Uh-huh. And there's someone in the audience every time that has a checklist. And they go, ah, and they pull their pen up <laughs> and they check off the first story. And they're like, awesome, it's so funny. Yeah, um, but not you, everyone you, does you, that. You-
0: but you make sure and 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 do that, right? Like you wouldn't want that that person to leave. This just like they'll email you later. It's like, well, what happened in the story? You
1: oh know? yeah, and I've done that. Look, over fifteen years, I've messed it up, and I've sometimes we run short on time, or I've forgotten sometimes, and I'll get some hate mail, man. Like you know, I can't believe I went to the seminar, and they didn't. He didn't know what he was doing because he was telling <laughs> stories with no ending, and <laughs> which I made me laugh. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, well, Norm, it's been a pleasure, man, to reconnect with you. I know we've been talking offline. Uh, quite a bit over the last several months. And I'm just so glad to have you back on the show. Guys, again, it's Norman Bell. You can find him at Norman Bell on LinkedIn, Norman J. Bell 2019 at Facebook. And the website is normanjbell.com. If you go there, you will get his storytelling, seven tips to captivate your audience from the start. Um, I'm certainly grabbing mine right now. I cannot wait. So you make sure you grab yours too. And check out the Hell Yes Life podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Norman Bell, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. I sure appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much, Matt. It's been great uh, talking with you.
1: All right, guys. That's the show for this week. Get out there and enjoy your weekend. My voice is already gone from all the interviews today. I'm loving it. Loving the entrepreneur life this week. Um, Enjoy your weekend. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show if you haven't already. The Driven Entrepreneur. Make sure you can get it on demand at iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places. And if you haven't left a rating or review, it might be time to do that. Leave me one of them old five-star ratings and feel free to drop a little review. It's just a sentence, maybe two sentences. Say something nice. You can say something mean. It doesn't really matter. As long as it's a review, it actually, it's going to help to reach more people. So we appreciate that. If you are loving this show, then give me just a little bit of love back and get out there this weekend. You startup, you visionary, you innovator, you entrepreneur, and you crush it this weekend. I'll see you back on Teaching Tuesday next week.